Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. So we are here today. Well, I am here today with Jason Sandman. Jason is a financial coach, a member of FCN, and we're going to talk about his journey to financial coaching, how he got into it, the process and what it was like starting his business and where he is. So Jason, welcome. Thank you very much. Good to see you again. I I love this community. I appreciate all y'all. Thank you. Yeah. And we appreciate you being in it and being willing to to talk. So why don't we just start off with, you know, tell us a little bit about your financial coaching business, what its name is, you know, when you started it, just kind of those background details. So yeah, I named it Out of the Weeds. That is uh, really this kind of description of my journey over my life. I was spent most of my life in the restaurant industry. And what led me to the financial coaching side was I was living far beyond my means in that industry and was like heavily in debt. And I had started working my way out of it by finding some help with budgeting, zero-based budgeting in particular, and was really kind of mystified at the fact that there's nobody in the in, in that industry, like where 50% of people tend to work throughout their lives, they spend some time in restaurants, but nobody was telling anybody how to like manage their money or how to actually, you know, kind of build towards a life that could sustain itself. It's a very challenging industry to work in. So I began playing with the idea of like how I could start making that change. And at first I started doing a podcast, but then I started really leaning into that idea of financial coaching and budgeting coaching. And that's now completely changed from that as well. But that's really where it started from was me going on my own debt journey and just trying to help other people who had the same challenges that I had get there or make their way out of it. So how long ago did you form into the weeds? So again, out of the weeds. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, going the wrong way. I Uh, I'll help you get into debt. I mean, I can do that too. Right, right. I formed it last year, say around February or March was when I really started kind of like, I think the LLC was created. Now I created the LLC before that, but then didn't really start like doing any legwork to it until I joined FCN, which was I think March or April last year. Okay. So yeah, basically a year, year and a half old. Yeah. About a year and a half. Okay. And so tell us a little bit, I mean, we can probably guess based on that introduction that you gave, but tell us a little bit about who your niche is. Who do you serve? Who do you focus on? And we'll so, start with, you said it changed. So yes. where, what was it? And then we can talk about what it is now. Yeah. yeah. So it was people who worked in the restaurant industry, really anybody who like, whether they were a server or a back of house, those challenges are different for sure. But anybody who had a non-traditional kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. that needed a really tailored budgeting approach to what they experienced versus 
um, where most of the information tends to go towards people who like do the traditional kind of office jobs or whatever. I was really focused on bringing something to people who had that kind of counter lifestyle. Yeah. And so that was the original one. Yep. And I want to come back to that a little bit. But what is what is the new version of it? So now financial coaching is really just a a piece of the approach that I take because I really have gotten into the concept of subconscious behaviors and Mm -hmm. what drives why budgeting can be so hard for us or what I I really fell in love with the concept that our money goes where our values go when Mm -hmm. we are going through budgets and that really led me into like, well, how many people even understand what their values are and what their beliefs are? Yeah. And if we can actually like play in that space, like how much more can they accomplish if it's <laughs> instead of just giving them, you know, steps to take in a process, it's like, well, why do you believe that you can't manage money well, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but as I really started working with that, and really doing some more kind of just emotional healing and kind of figuring out why this business has been hard for me to build in a lot of spaces. I've really leaned into the idea that like my mission has grown a lot larger. I like to help men kind of explore their emotions and explore vulnerability in like really approachable ways without it feeling like it's something where they have to lose some of themselves. Um, and really trying to kind of heal some of our divide that comes from so many people being attached to their beliefs and their stories about themselves that they can't necessarily see that the people that they're in such disagreement with are really dealing with a lot of the same thing. And that if we start to understand what we view, like how we view ourselves, we can really start viewing how we can come together with others who we may not agree with at first. And that also led to me really dealing with this idea of addiction which is a kind of subset of my niche is when i was in the restaurant industry i was the walking restaurant cliche i had the drug problems i had the drinking problems i had the time management problems i had all of it and that values conversation started leading me to like start putting my money elsewhere and like trying to like not judging whatever that experience was but doing it on purpose (laughs) instead of just letting my money go to it and then be like i don't have any money like all right well if you want to do that then budget for it but when you say do that you mean drink excessively you know whatever it is like i i I honestly don't care what somebody chooses to do with their life i can predict what will happen if they start doing this work with me (laughs) but it's not my place to judge right and playing back into that subconscious beliefs thing we're really addicted to the view that we have of ourselves and we're addicted to our emotions and we're addicted to all these other like little ideas when normally we think of addiction as like physical dependency on a substance or something else. Like we get addicted to this idea that I can't do this. (laughs) And I've seen that play out in trying to build this business, like where I keep on coming up as like, Oh, this is an interesting way that that shows up. So that's really the game that I want to play and help people solve Mm -hmm. because I think that really helps bring a level of happiness and peace of mind that then allows them to, to approach budgeting or anything else in a really new way. Yeah. In our sort of conversation that we had before going live, you, and I don't know exactly where this is going to go, but I, I think there's some, there's some interesting things based on what you said in that conversation to explore. So we'll start off with you know, over the course of the last year and a half, how many clients have you worked with? So that can be a challenging question to answer. Like if I look at it from specific 
like paid clients who did like one of my individual coaching programs. It's been, I had a couple others who I did like the free stuff with. I've done a group program that, you know, three or four people signed up for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've started working with an organization where I get to kind of do a little bit more practice in that. And it's not me necessarily having to do all the prospecting and everything else. So I've had a ton of coaching conversations and coached a lot of people through some things, but like for my actual clients and selling what like I'm trying to put together, it's been pretty low, like at least by, you know, the, what we would judge ourselves as the standards for it, for sure. Yeah. And what, what are some of the factors that you think uh, contribute to that, right? The, <laughs> the idea of it being low. So what were some of the factors? There, there, as I said, in our previous conversation, like I could go on all day about what all these factors are. <laughs> there are the the clear steps to take, right? Like where I need some consistency in marketing and where I know that what I'm selling to people is kind of happiness and peace of mind and this new way of living. Um, that's not necessarily something people believe that they can buy or get in the coaching experience. So trying to find is like, how do I actually meet them? Like sell something that they want and then bring them to this work that I know is so beneficial for them. And that's been a challenge. And it's also been a challenge because I've had some fundamental subconscious beliefs that have gotten in my own way of taking the actions to do it. Like this is a relationship built business and I've had a kind of fundamental thing that from a long, long time ago where like I kind of enter into relationships with an assumption that someone doesn't want to be in a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to do that, like when I'm reaching out to people for networking or I'm reaching out to people in marketing, if I'm going into everything kind of assuming a no, well, that's going to lead me to take behaviors and to take actions that are going to feed into that no. And I'm going to present less confidently. So like, you know, I'm not really giving people that opportunity to, to say yes as much. And I've had to do a lot of work to like really start reprogramming. What do I actually believe? And at first it was, can I even do this? <laughs> like, like, can I even coach somebody? Like, how do I do it? And now that's, you know, a hurdle that's been crossed, but it becomes then like, will I do what's required? And mm-hmm. I'm disorganized. And so like, if I can buy into that belief that I'm disorganized, I'll never take the steps to actually get organized. Yeah. And so it's just been a really big process is like, okay, these things are now showing up in this area and this is another place for me to go. And, you know, I'm committed to the outcome, but oftentimes it's really easy to get caught up on working from the circumstances around us than, than instead of working from the commitments that we've made. And that's been a journey in and of itself. Yeah. One of the things that I, I think that I want to explore coming out of our earlier conversation is, so first off, you you started off with a niche that is much narrower than most people's niches, yeah. right? And so as we look at that idea of it, you know, most people would say, oh, my niche is, you know, men and women ages 18 to 97, right? Right, right. And you, so you've got it down to, I'm going to work with people in the restaurant industry. So already more narrow. Yeah. And then you took a pivot and went even more narrow. Yeah. Right. How, how would you characterize the traction? Cause that's a, that's a scary thing. Number one, getting down to the first level of narrow that you were at yeah. and then taking that pivot and going even more narrow. Yeah. Right. How would you characterize the traction that you've gotten, the progress that you, that you've made versus that long time 
with the first niche and then after that pivot? Yeah. So <laughs> that's a really interesting question to consider. So I want to make sure I, I give it some space. And where in like the restaurant industry being my focus, that was certainly like the narrowness there. I still certainly had that fear that grew, showed up of like, you know, wanting to help anybody who can come in and like, you know, like I just want to have a client and being very like kind of need focused on my end to be able to kind of work. And that was really like, while my niche was narrow, my focus on my approach as a financial coach was not right. Like it was right. just very much, well, I am going to just try and see what comes and help whoever comes to me. And that becomes a really big challenge because it's not really putting the person that you're serving first. Yeah. We're not always going to be perfect for every client that comes by, even when they fit into like what our niche is. And niche is a sales pitch yeah. as opposed to the rest of the business. Yeah. 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 And I got to this place where I was really feeling a lot of that imposter syndrome. And I know that when you talk about imposter syndrome, it's always like, well, you just know how much you don't know. Yeah. And I love talking about the financial coaching. And like, even though I do a lot of esoteric stuff now with mine, I still have like that budgeting aspect. But I found like, as much as I like to dive into some of the financial topics, I don't have a ton of interest in learning insurance so well that I can really <laughs> kind of direct somebody towards that. Like, I know enough about crypto to be like, hey, maybe this is just your entertainment budget and not your investing. But like, I'm not interested in necessarily going and playing that, that game. And when I was branding myself as a financial coach, that ended up being the discussion that most people were led to like kind of have because they want to have those more traditional financial discussions. So for me, it was just like, I can either commit to learning all of this, which I can learn and I can do, and it is great to have. But at the same time, it, was, it wasn't something that was driving me forward into action. And it wasn't what I was naturally researching on my own. I really was getting into more of this kind of like emotional behavior work and like what really drives us from just a human like brain perspective. So for me, that became really freeing because now I'm like working in the space that I want to do. And that like when I can write my content or when I do reach out to somebody and they see how differently I live my life versus one year ago, two years ago, and especially seven years ago. Yeah. That's now my like walking advertisement because I'm living what I'm actually like teaching and working. And so since, you know, I had just gotten out of debt and like now back invested some of that in there. So I felt like really trapped in by this financial coach title. And then me changing that and moving it to a perspective that meant something to me and was something I knew could help other people think differently was really, really important for me. And it's been something where I can communicate it so much better now because it's in my, my zone of genius, for lack of a better term. And have you started to see, you know, as you've narrowed it down further and gotten to something where you're not allowing other people to define what your coaching does, you defined it for yourself, right? Yes, for sure. Right. Like, it, there's a lot of answering questions, right? When I go and tell people I'm a behavioral wealth coach, nobody knows what that is. So right. it comes with its own sorts of, of challenges. But that does beg, usually invite the question, which allows me to kind of talk to somebody. Or if it doesn't invite the question, then they're not somebody who's interested in what I'm bringing to the table. And that's okay as well. Like somebody wants that more traditional coach. I'm no longer labeling myself as that. So they don't necessarily have to sift through what I'm interested in to find what they are. Yeah. 
So have you started to, and I know this is relatively new, but have you started to see better results, more traction, more positive responses? Right. I have definitely seen it in responses to my content. I can definitely see like with the networking and everything else I'm doing around here, like just going and being consistent in my message that I'm watering the garden right now. And like, uh-huh. I might not have like all the flowers growing, but I'm seeing some buds for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And even more than that, like it led me to opportunities. This other organization that I'm I'm working with deals with like the subconscious paradigm space and is something that was, you know, they do it more for like an alternative therapy modality. And I never would have found that opportunity had I not dove headfirst into this and started putting myself out there as this is what I'm doing and like really putting that understanding there. So like it was, you know. I don't know where the path goes from here. Like I'm very much am committed to my business and still growing it, but maybe I end up like working alongside with these guys for a lot longer. But the beauty of it is it, like wherever it goes is because I continue to put myself out there and something that really does resonate and is my honest kind of expression of where I want my coaching to go. Yeah. And, and I think it's important just for you personally, right? Yeah. That you that you just like you had a change of definition of what is financial coaching from the I'm going to copy and paste from what other people say to I'm going to create it for myself. Right. I, I think it's also important to consider, you know, your definition of success. Right. So in the beginning, you said. Oh, I'm not looking at, you know, I, I don't have a lot of clients. I, you know, it's, it's, I don't have a lot of success. Yeah. But let me ask you if you had, let's say that you were an attorney, yeah. right? And you were an attorney that specialized in reviewing of social media posts for the purposes of utilizing them in court. Okay. So you had a very specific specialty as an attorney. And you had zero clients coming to you, but you were working with a large law firm and getting $2 million a year of business, just handling the social media investigation type things. Would you then say, oh yeah, I'm completely not successful because I have no clients of my own? Yeah, that's a really useful like reframe. And for that measure, like I am happier than I've ever been in my life. Like, am I financially stressed and trying to figure all this stuff out still and like, like dealing with some of that 1 million percent, but I got to put in my notice at the job that I didn't want to work anymore and no longer have to do it. I walk around every day, like I'm building towards something and I have a belief that it's going to happen and I get to choose to be excited about that all the time. Like I wouldn't trade any of this journey for it. Like it's been an amazing, amazing year and a half. And I would have never predicted I would have been here. Yeah. And so I think that that's an important thing, not just for you, but for everyone to really think that, you know, be very careful about judging your success based upon measures that are given to you, right? Yep. Really look at it from that person. And, and you may, this may be something where you say, you know, no, I want to have my own clients. I want to build that coaching business, so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that you don't have clients now and you aren't seeing success in your coaching business. It's just currently coming through this relationship with this other business that you never would have had without the journey that you've been on. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. I get, I, I mean, I really do get to coach every day and mm -hmm. I get to do sales calls, which I needed a lot of practice in to be able to effectively do it. So like when it's not my baby, like there's a little bit of that pressure is off, even if it is like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's still very much one of those things where you're trying to deal with it. But like, I get to have the reps and make the decision to, to go forward. However, whichever direction I want to take. And that's a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to, we do get caught up when we're trying to do this, like, you know, oh my gosh, I've got to have this many clients by this many times, or I can't do it. Or like, it's a process and you learn so much about yourself in it and about what you actually truly want. And yeah, we do have to stop living life on other people's terms and other people's expectations because our, our journey is going to be unique to us. And it's really just a matter of what's going to drive you forward every day. Yeah. So what, what do you see as sort of next for you? I am for the rest of this year, I have a lot of data together to make some decisions for what I'm going to do in 2023. I'm actually flying out to the headquarters of, well, I'm going to a marketing conference that's based around like my business, but then I'm going to our headquarters in Idaho, which is across the country for me because I'm in Georgia now to discuss what our long-term relationship is work more closely with the person who's who owns this company and decide if I want to live out there for a little while or like, wow. you know, do the next adventure. So I've got a a ton of uncertainty, but it's really just a ton of opportunity that like I get a chance to choose a lot of different things, which is one of the reasons I chose this business is I wanted to do, I wanted a life where I could work from anywhere and start carving out some adventures. And so here I am, I get to take some adventures. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. So you're a member of Launch. Yep. As a freebie to people listening, what was your biggest takeaway from going through Launch? So biggest takeaway. I know one benefit that I can certainly share was it just took away a lot of the doubt on like how to set up the business like legally and like just have my structure in place so i didn't have to just want worry in this place of like what am i doing like i have a website i might want to make some changes to it right now but i've got some stuff in place that allowed me to focus on growing into my myself as a coach and into like figuring out what i wanted to do i didn't have to also worry if all of this other stuff was proper because i had a checklist and everything else but as far as like just biggest takeaway is that there are so many different avenues and approaches that you can take and that when you gain clarity on on what your focus is like that's the power of niching down it's it's not just to make yourself more effective in marketing although that's a huge benefit is to give yourself some direction, <laughs> to give yourself some room to play so you don't feel like you have to try and tackle all of it or be everything to everybody. Yeah. And what was the scariest part of this journey of starting the business? And I don't mean just the legal aspect of doing all that legal stuff that you mentioned, but just this process of starting and, and building a business. What was the scariest part? Betting on myself. Like really starting to like, evaluate my ability to, to have self-trust and self-love because I, as I talk about like thought addictions, I've been addicted to self-doubt for most of my life. <laughs> and that's definitely come to the forefront 
and trying to do this business and trying to build relationships and go into networking meetings and feeling like you're the smallest member of the room. All of that's just a story that we make up. (laughs) And I've had to really, really face some significant fear of not being good enough. And, you know, that's definitely something that still will show up from time to time. But like every, every rep of facing it down gives you a little bit more fuel in the fire. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to circle back. So I said I was going to circle back to it, but I wanted to sort of take this journey. And I want to circle back to that original niche of working with working with people in the restaurant industry. Yep. And you said that most of personal finance is about uh, people with a normal nine to five job type thing, right? And that you wanted to build something that was specific for people in the restaurant industry. And the vast majority of people will say, well, no, I know about budgeting. I know about finance. My process can work for anyone. Yeah. Right. So what is actually different about that niche, about people in the restaurant industry that the typical process won't work for? Okay. There are a few answers to that question. Let's go through um, all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One, for especially if you're talking about people who are in the front of house, like you're, most of them have wildly variable income from week to week, month to month. And traditional budgeting approaches that I had seen, like when you can kind of predict what you're going to have, mm-hmm. it makes it really, really challenging to do that when you're in an industry where in, you know, April, you might make $3,000 in a month in tips. And then in May, you might make 1500, you know, asking. And that's, people, that's not anywhere near the swing. It could be depending on the restaurant. Oh, and right. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. Really <laughs> there, are some, there are some like where like, you know, you make all your money in three months of the year. And then the rest of it is like scrap. It's yeah. There's a million different restaurants with a million different like <laughs> kind of things. And it's so variable that you have to have a budgeting approach that is also flexible. It's not just so reliant. Um, so that was where zero-based budgeting really, really kind of came in and, and changed my focus and allowed me to see how oh, there is a different approach that can work for people who are in this. And like getting out of that week-to-week like reliance and trying to just pay rent and actually getting a month ahead, that can be built into it, but it's going to take a little bit of a different conversation. Mm-hmm. It's also the behaviors are just completely different. Like trying to tell somebody who is working a, a double, let's say, so they're working from 11 at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. until 1 a.m. in the morning that they can't go out and have a drink after, after work or whatever. They can't do their normal coping mechanisms. They've got to eat healthy. And like, that's really hard to do for certain lifestyles. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got to be able to, one, understand that those lifestyles are different and be able to tailor your approach to it but then also to allow them to see where they're making their stories about what the lifestyle means they can and can't do as well but you know asking somebody to you know just have that traditional approach and it's like well why don't you just put like you know fifty dollars away a shift to go ahead and you know go towards your your goals well, if that person like is in the habit of going and blow it, they have a good night and they make $250 one night and they're like, oh, I'm flush with cash. And then they go spend $50 at the bar and then they might go spend 50. Like that's a different mindset that they have. You really have to get into what their 
thinking is and understand like you've got to figure out either a way to speak to them on their level or disrupt their thinking to a point where they can start to make some different choices. Yeah. And I imagine that they, when typical people say, oh, well, this is what you should do, having never worked in that industry or only worked in it for a year or two, you know, it's very easy for that group of people to dismiss them because truly, unless you've worked in that industry long-term as your career, you don't really understand the factors involved. Yeah, one million percent. I take that back to the conversation around addiction, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I never, in my heaviest drinking days, in my heaviest drug-using days, I never really thought of myself as an addict. And when I would see all of these commercials or I'd hear people talking about addiction, they didn't know what the experience of like going through like and having a drinking problem really was, or it was just a narrow frame of it from what they've been presented in their own life or in the in the media, whatever. So you're missing a, a huge segment of people who make decisions that are not necessarily productive for their their long-term health around alcohol and something else, but you're not speaking a language that you're talking down to them or dismissing mm-hmm. what their their challenges are because you haven't actually faced them yourself. Yeah. And that becomes a really um, tricky proposition because you really do want to honor the experience that somebody has gone through. You have to hold them accountable and, and call them on their stuff from time to time. Right. <laughs> but that comes, it, you get a lot more credibility if you can speak the language that they're speaking and you can actually address the challenges that they face as individuals rather than just kind of lumping them into this general expectation of humanity. Or addressing them from a theoretical standpoint of, well, just yeah. say no when your friends are all going out at 1 a.m. Right. right? Yeah. Easy theory. Yeah. Yeah. But when I've been like right. on my feet for eight hours and like, you know, we had some really tough shift and somebody I cussed out or whatever else, it's like, oh, man, a beer sounds great right now. Like, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> like, yeah. and then there's a balance between that, right? Like, Sometimes it's okay to do that. And again, just making sure that they do it on purpose, but to just dismiss it and say, oh, well, you can just make a different decision. Why are they making that decision? Like what's actually driving the behavior rather than just operating from your kind of viewpoint? Well, Jason, thank you so much for talking and, you know, being vulnerable and, you know, just helping people see one version of a journey to success that, and I would say you, the fact that you were able to quit your job (laughs) means you had a journey to success, (laughs) right? You know, to see one version of a journey to success that probably isn't the stereotypical journey to financial coaching success that the average person has in their head or the average member of this community has in their head. So I appreciate you. Well, I I appreciate you. I wouldn't be who I am today without you, without Garrett, Emily, like all of you guys play into my journey. Like I get to go forward and, and help show other people a better way, partially because of the, the way that you guys are showing me. So I am so appreciative of you and this community of what y'all have built here. And I'm happy to support you whenever I can and come out on and have a talk. So thank you for honoring me with this time. Yeah. And for people who may be hearing this randomly elsewhere, where if a person says, oh, what Jason does sounds like kind of what I would like, where can people find you? What's your website? So my website is outoftheweedscoaching.com and it's currently under some reconstruction. 
It still has some. It always is. Yeah. Yeah. Has my (laughs) old language there, but that is the best place to come and just like see what I'm about. Out of the weeds coaching at gmail.com is my current email address. I'll always have that in some form. And find me on Facebook. Just like that's where I post a lot of stuff. And I'd be happy to kind of talk through, happy to chat with anybody who wants to have a little bit of a discussion. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.